Causing the Effect, a podcast focused on the exploration of your mind, body, and spirit. Causing the Effect community, I am blessed to be joined by Dr. Frank Scalabrino, philosopher, the first full-time philosopher on the podcast. Dr. Scalabrino, how are you doing, my friend? Very good, Scott. Thank you so much for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to be on here with you. Um, guys, I'm sorry because Frank is just ready to go with all his beautiful background and the purple. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to start working on it. Um, and uh, Frank's launching his uh, new podcast channel. I'm going to put the notes in that. Whenever he has that all set up, we will get that going today. Uh, we are talking about um, Frank totally just kind of going through. We're, we're throwing some ideas and he picked authenticity, which I could not. Um, I'm surprised I haven't done one yet. And I think you're the perfect person to um, discuss this. Now, let's start with the I want to start with your journey first, Frank. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself and like where this whole philosopher journey started. Was this something like initially you, you thought you would be doing at the age of 14 or 15? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think um you know, my, uh, my father, uh, you know, was really just kind of putting in my mind that, um, I should just play football. So <laughs> I think I was just, I was interested in sports and, and sports only. Um, and, uh, I ended up going to Kenyon college and at, at Kenyon college, um, I came into contact with philosophy and it's interesting because I had, um, I really, was sort of convinced, um, for the longest time that I was going to be a psychologist. That's, that's all I, that's, I, I don't know. I somehow I, I, well, really I got it in my mind by reading Sigmund Freud, but that's a whole, whole nother, um, avenue. But, uh, so I got it in my mind that I was going to be a psychologist. I went to Kenyon college in Ohio to, um, to study psychology. And, uh, while I was there, my friends kept telling me, you got to take some philosophy classes. You know, they had taken a couple of philosophy classes or even just their first philosophy class. And they said, um, we just think that this is right up your alley. You really need to take a philosophy class. So, um, so I took a philosophy class and I fell in love with it, but it was, it was too late. It, I would have had to stay longer to double major. So I just minored in philosophy. And then, um, I got out of uh, Kenyon college and started to work in mental health. So, um, I was, um, doing a lot of crisis, uh, suicide intervention and prevention work, um, working the midnight shift on the weekend. So I, I got to see a lot of, a lot of action. And, um, uh, I was also working in a, in an emergency room, um, as a nursing assistant at the time. So, so lots of the emergency room that I was working in, it was also actually a trauma center. So, you know, around, around a lot of crisis, around a lot of trauma. Um, and, Let's see. Um, then I was, because I was working the midnight shift on the weekends, I was always interacting with the uh, chemical dependency counselors that were admitting people to the detox units. And so um, they just kept telling me that they really wanted me to come over and be a chemical dependency counselor. So I went over, I started working as a chemical dependency counselor. I would still work on um, uh, the weekends every once in a while, you know, afternoon shifts, whatever, uh, at the crisis center. And um, in Ohio, I was in, I was in Ohio still, Ohio has this uh, system um, of basically it's like government oversight. So um, they have like an agency that just makes sure that 
people are providing services um, that are being paid for with tax dollars, that those services are being provided in the best possible way, right? So uh, that agency contacted me and they said, we've been following your work for a few years now, and we'd like for you to come over here and work for us. So I, I decided to, to work as an, admin, an administrator then for a while. Um, and uh, during that period of time, it's, again, these are, you know, these stories can take forever, but, um, <laughs> during, during that period of time, I, um, I was really sort of overseeing and, and, and carefully, um, watching the way that the crisis center that I had been previously working at, um, that they were, um, using some of their bed days is, is the, the way that they would refer to it. Basically, um, when you send somebody to the hospital, you know, there's only the community, only, the community only has so much money to pay for mental health services. So, um, so the idea is that if you can be more efficient at doing that, then, you know, that's, that's better for everybody. Um, so, um, during that process, some things happened, um, that basically they, there was talk that they wanted to set up a new crisis center. They wanted to start a new crisis center. So, um, I was approached and asked if I thought that I could do that. And so I said, well, you know, I, I, I've been watching the, I've, I've worked it at every level. I've been watching this for years. I think I can, I think I can do it. So, um, so then I, I set up a, crisis center. And I was, um, the director of that crisis center. I ran it, uh, for a couple of years. And at that point, then, um, my, it, during this process, I was told by the government oversight agency that I needed to have a master's degree. So, but they never told me what, what I needed to have the master's degree in. Mm -hmm. I think afterward they kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> wish that they had, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but so, but so I said, you know, so I went off and I got a master's degree in philosophy, uh, which, you know, was sort of my first love uh, anyway. Um, and then my philosophy professors just kept encouraging me. I was, I was actually working, um, on a second master's degree to, to have a license in, um, as a mental health therapist an LPC in is what it's called in Ohio. And, um, but my philosophy professors kept telling me, just go get your PhD in philosophy. Uh, if you want to be a philosophy professor, um, then that's what you should do. Um, I'm, long story short, I'm almost done is that, uh, they, it was interesting because I was working as the director and I get a, I get contacted by the professors um, at uh, the university and they asked me if I would teach an introduction to philosophy class for them. And I had no, um, I had no intention of teaching philosophy courses, right? Like I, I got the master's degree because I loved philosophy and I figured I would just keep running this crisis center, you know, until, you know, I'd, I'd retire or something. But um, they told me this story. They said, you know, there were like, I don't know, you know, 37 students and the guy who was going to teach the class backed out at the last minute. And so if, um, if you don't teach this class for us, then we're going to have to cancel on all these students. And so I basically decided to teach this class as kind of like a, a, a favor to these professors that I had been working with and that I, I really liked. Um, but then when I got in the classroom, I just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, so then I, you know, between that experience and then talking to those professors, they said, you should go get your PhD. So went back to school. I went to Duquesne university in Pittsburgh, got my PhD, um, and, uh, just started teaching with it. Um, you know, I've taught in a lot of places I taught in Pittsburgh. I taught multiple places in Ohio, uh, John Carroll, uh, Kent state Akron, uh, taught at in downtown Chicago in the, um, at the Chicago school of professional psychology. And I taught in Texas at the university of Dallas. So, um, I came back from Texas. I was a visiting professor in Dallas. I came back from Texas, uh, was in Ohio for a little bit. And I thought, you know what, um, 
I've never gone west. I I I had some real draw, uh, some real some real pull toward Colorado and Colorado Springs. So I've been in Colorado Springs for almost four years now, um, and uh, I've been writing um, uh, all along the way. Ever since I finished my dissertation, I kind of got the writing bug. I got really excited about it, and and um, so it, I'm I'm writing a, my tenth book right now wow. with. Um, with a good friend of mine, Dr. Jason Pittman. Uh, we have a, the, the title is a, a work in progress, but at this point, but basically it's about um, simulation theory. And uh, um, so we're, we're, we're pretty excited about it. We've, we've essentially um, got an entire draft of the book done at this point. And um, I mean, it's, we've been talking about this for probably about seven years, working on this for about seven years, but in the background, but um, so I'm hoping that we can finish that uh, and get it, get it out before, um, the end of 2022, but we'll see. So, so that's it, man. There it is. There it that's is. That's it, man. Frank. Yeah. That's, yeah, all you that's, get? It. that's That's it. That's <laughs> no, all. dude, that's great. No. And I love hearing the journey. Cause I, similar to you, if you met me when I was in high school, I uh, saw my letter of intent to play football at Rutgers university. I was, you know, 260 pounds. I write to kill people, blew out my ACL, MCL meniscus, the whole thing. So I had to find these different paths. And it's so interesting that you found philosophy kind of after psychology. Cause I always thought those two go, go hand in hand. And my question for you is how is, philosophy changed how you see the world, not only through a, 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 a like a totality, but also from a psychological lens. And then on top of that, what do you say to the people that say, why are you studying philosophy? Because for me, I've never found books more interesting than, than philosophical books. It's the only thing in my life I get just not put down. And I just think there's something there for me, at least. And I'm like two or three years in the journey. I'm loving it. What, a lot of questions thrown at you, Frank. Awesome. That's awesome, Scott. And, and I, I just want to say one more time. Hey, thank you so much. I've been, I listened oh, yeah, to some bro. of the, uh, some of your other podcast episodes. I'm looking forward to listening to more of them. And um, I, I, I really dig your vibe. I, I really like what you got going on here. I'm really, um, I really am happy that oh, you're doing dude. what you're doing. So thank, thank you. you brother. Much, much love you, coming from Colorado for you. Let's go. Uh, uh, so, you know, um, let's see. I, I think that for me, as I was, as I was going through philosophy, it was a, it really was like um, putting a puzzle together because I couldn't, I couldn't find, I mean, there was no one who could just tell me the answer. Right. <laughs> um, but, but, but every once in a while I would, I would hear something or I would read something and I just really felt like um, I, I just felt like it was a part of the answer to a question that I really didn't even know how to formulate, you know? And, and so I, so, so I, I felt like, um, I mean, in the beginning, long periods of time would go before I would, you know, so to speak, find another puzzle piece that, that, um, was fitting into this puzzle. But I think that, um, if I could just put it in shorthand, um, now, you know, after, after all this time and all this work, um, I would say that really I I'm an existentialist. Right. And, and that, um, I had been trying to figure out what is existence, like what, you know, what, um, what does it mean to exist and, um, how can I get a better understanding of, of what it is that, uh, I'm experiencing simply by existing. Mm, yeah, man, for me, it's like, not, I don't want to say enlightenment because we get into too into that, but like it's almost like the enlightenment of our human condition, and yeah. it's like showing me that there's depths to your mind, there's depths to your consciousness, there's depths to yourself that like I would never 
even imagine like how you were saying it's like you can't just read one book and like all oh, right i read uh, you know i read one philosophy book i'm here it's like piecing together this fun journey that you're in like oh i remember this from from this book or this from alan watts and this that. and it's just like a beautiful essence and and now so to get us to, to the main topic here of authenticity, mm-hmm. how much, because this is like my life's purpose since I turned 28, 29, it's like, I want to be the, the truest, most authentic version of myself. How has this process been for you? I'm a big young guy, individuation process, all that stuff. How has this oh, authentic awesome. life of Frank looked? Because it seems like you're doing it. You're writing, you're doing your, you know, the YouTube channel. How has this looked for you? You know, um, I think that, so the way I'm hearing that question is kind of, kind of twofold for me. Um, so on the one hand, I would say, and by the way, I, yeah, I love Jung, love this stuff. Um, but so, uh, on the one hand, I would say that, um, it was the, the question of how do you spend time, you know, like my, like my, my relationship with time and, um, you know, I know, I know some people who have really gone overboard with that, but, um, I feel like that really is the entry point um, in terms of just just trying to get a grip on on yourself, really, right? And and so the idea is is that um, you know you would you would start to ask yourself questions like, um, am I spending my time in a way that um, I really don't want to be spending my time, right? Or 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 let me put it in a, a, a in a in a more goal oriented direction. It's like if I'm if I am if I have, if I have told myself, right, if I have, if I have committed myself to a goal and then I find that I'm not able to reach that goal, um, why is that? Right. And, and it's very, it's very difficult. I, I feel to, to answer that question if you're just kind of just like randomly looking at things. Right. Um, and so the, the sort of ground level is to just ask yourself, well, what am I doing with my time? Um, and then, so, so that, I think that was a big part of it, but, but, um, when when you first start to see this, in my opinion, when you when for me at least, when when I first start to look at at how I'm spending my time, um, there really was a, I mean, it, it's a challenge in the sense because you know you have to be able, you know, nowadays they they talk about FOMO or something like this, right? So the idea is that you know you've you've got to be you've got to be able to. Um, uh, the existentialists refer to something called opportunity cost, right? Yes. And so the idea is that you've got to be willing to to say that I realize that by spending this next hour doing X, I can't spend this next hour doing Y, you know? And, and I think that when you start to get um, used to that process and you start to just accept uh, that, that you are sacrificing some things, right. Um, And just accept that it's just not possible to move forward without sacrificing some things. um, Then uh, that whole process becomes more efficient. It becomes easier, I think in some ways. So, so that was, yeah. So that, that was, um, in terms of time. Yeah. Mm, No. And that I kind of made that same entry point with self-development being more productive, hitting the goals. And what, what got me was, um, I think it was Jordan Peterson got, got me like monetizing an hour. So how much do do you make in an hour at work, you know, a couple hundred bucks, whatever. And I was monetizing that on a week. I was like, holy shit, you're wasting four five, six hours a day doing nothing useful by, by my own standards. That's the fun part of this, right? You give it yeah. the meaning that, that you have. Yeah. And, and when yeah. you start looking at that way, it becomes something of like an eye opener. Now for me, I'm probably like one of your friends. I went the other way. I kind of got so honed in between a podcast, running a business, and then I'm doing stand-up comedy at night. I kind of oh, let awesome. everything, I let everything go to the side, Frank. And I was more like, 
oh, I, I forgot about family. I forgot about commitments. Like, how do you set up your day? Is it like setting a schedule on Sundays and just following through? Because, you know, make it hard for the family, all, all that stuff. What does that look like? Well, I tell you, so, um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, right. So presently I'm not teaching and there was a period of time when, um, I was teaching so much, uh, you know, I, I think that, um, oh, I can't even off the top of my head, even remember how many courses I was teaching at, at a time. Um, but I, I feel like I, you know, and Plato talks about this in the Republic. Um, I think that I went from, and, and I imagine, you know, this was a, a part of the, um, the motivation, or maybe you found this in, in your heart when you were um, sort of walking that path as well. And that is that this idea of um, competition, right? And um, setting goals and sort of competing with yourself, really. Um, and so I, I feel like at first I was, I was so competitive, even with myself. I mean, I think more so with myself than anyone else um, that, uh, I was just, you know, grinding. I was just cranking. Um, nowadays, um, so yeah. Nowadays, uh, I'm actually I'm actually managing a property out here in Colorado Springs. Um, nice. That that people come out. They co they come out when they're vacationing, and I I really like. Uh, it's called we call it Tesla's Cottage because um, I guess when Tets when Tesla was out here. Um, he actually used to hang out with the people who built this, this property. Oh. So, so he's been on the property. There's pictures of him on the property. And, um, and so, so anyway, so we refer to it as Tesla's cottage. It's in Colorado Springs. If you'll forgive the little, the little plug there, not that it needs a plug though. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I love super that. busy. Yeah. Um, you should, you should come out sometime and check it out. Oh, um, dude, I'm in, man. Don't be okay. sitting. I'm coming. Okay. I, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm okay. supposed Let's do to it. Colorado. I'm in, dude. I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah. Colorado, Colorado Springs is, is a really wonderful place. Um, but so, so you know, the, but what's, what's excellent is that all the people who come out here are on vacation. So, so it's interesting how it's like, I, on a day-to-day -day basis, it's like, it's, it's difficult um, to have a bad day when all these other people, you know, everybody's, everybody's yeah. always celebrating. And when, when they're done celebrating, some new people show up and they're celebrating. So it's just like, so I've been trying to tap into the energy of that vibe of just like, wow, man, like they're having a great day. Like I'm going to try to have a great day too. But, uh, and I, and, and I love the work. I love the work. Um, I love doing the philosophy. I love learning and, and putting these things together. So, um, so that's, I guess, to answer your question, that's what I've been trying to do is just kind of tap into the, the heart of it, tap into the love of it. You know what I mean? And, and, um, and go with that, that as the motivation. Yeah, man. I think for, for me too, similar, it was like, you get too caught up in the, I'd look at things like black and white now, yin and yang and, and the masculine and feminine, that doing is, is easy for a kid from Brooklyn who could, you know, talk and I'm good at hitting these goals, right? With comedy, you got to do this and right through, but that being that stillness, that feminine energy was the issue for me. Finding pieces is not the easiest thing for a guy like me. So I've been working on that. And all of a sudden you end up being more productive when you start like bringing that perfect balance together. Um, for me, that's been like the whole sort of enlightenment of this thing. Like you could have both. You don't have to be like, obviously you got to grind. You got to be efficient, but um, you could do incredible things while being in the stillness and we're, and keeping that spirituality, like really close to you. You know, I think that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Now to, we're going to start off this, the deep dive into authenticity with a little quote here from DW Winnicott. I got for Frank. I hope he likes it. Uh, Poets, philosophers, and seers have always concerned themselves with the idea of a true self. And the betrayal of the self has been a typical example of the unacceptable. I'm going to read one more from you from the Gospel of Thomas. If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, 
what you do not bring forth will destroy you. And I will start there, Frank, and I will let you go wherever you want because you are the king of this stuff. And I'm just going to sit and listen. <laughs> well, that, that, is, uh, that is outstanding. Those are both great quotes. Great quotes. Thank you, um, so, you know, this idea of the self um, and tied in with this idea of self-actualization. Um, and so, so recently, um, actually, it was in August, um, I I published a two-volume set on existentialism. Uh, it's called "What Is Existentialism." Um, the first volume is the history and principles, and the second volume is I think I think essential distinctions and and conclusion. And anyway, um, one of the the main pieces um, that I feel as though existentialism is up against is this idea of um, the Cartesian understanding of the self. And so the, the nice distinction here is the distinction between the subject and the self. And I have been, I've been trying to help folks out by, by pointing out to them that um, all this talk about the subject is um, the wrong path, but, um, but they, you know, some people, I guess they just got the karma. They have to walk that path, but, but in either case, um, this idea of the self. So uh, to my mind, there's a, and speaking directly to those quotes, um, you can you, you can understand this in terms of these principles of um, existentialism, and so and so authenticity is going to be one of these principles of existentialism. Yes. So if I can just kind of just you know a broad context here, and yes, then, please. Then, okay, okay. So so um, you can divide. Basically, there are. Um, there are seven principles, and you can divide these principles into the constitutional principles and the actualization principles. And of course, um, authenticity is one of the actualization principles. So um, in terms of the constitutional principles, they are mystery, freedom, and mindness. Um, and this is the idea that existence is is always already yours um, and that you are going to be responsible for your choices. The way that Sartre likes to refer to this is that um, or like to refer to this is that um, uh, you know, freedom is um, inescapable, uh, you know, that um, no one no one can make your choices for you. Um, mm -hmm. And even if you try to let somebody else make your choices or even if you try to not choose, that still is a choice, of course. So. Um, the way that I see this in the, the broadest, um, picture or the most zoomed out picture is in terms of transcendental philosophy and Jung, um, and I, and I can, I could provide some sources on this. There's a, there's a really great book I found, um, in Dallas, uh, uh about this. And, uh, I've read a couple of dissertations written on this that, that are excellent as well is that Jung really is a transcendental philosopher. Um, and so, uh, so, you know, maybe in the future um that might be something fun for us to talk about too oh but frank please man i i can't get enough yeah i'm, I'm going through his collections now so beautiful stuff awesome i'm with you awesome no yeah love him love love it really fun to read too um but so so the idea is is that the transcendental philosophy and and existentialism what it allows you to do is it allows you to um to gain a focal point that is outside of binary opposition for, for to, just to make it move fast. Right. So, so, so the idea is, is that um, Kant referred to this as the transcendental unity of app perception. And so app perception uh, is a, is a term that Leibniz uh, coined. He made up um, to uh, refer to something that John Locke was talking about, but, but basically the idea is, is that app perception is, is, um, a P and then the word perception. So you, 
to app perceive something is to perceive that you are perceiving. So, so when I, I'm looking at something and then I'm also aware that I'm looking at it. Mm. Right. And so then when we take that one step further, um, we can take it one step further and we become aware of this sort of extra dimension, right? And the extra dimension is the transcendental piece. And so um, the idea is, is that transcendental, the transcendental unity of app perception um, points to myself um, as for, well, I guess we could put a period there, right? It points to myself. It points to the self, uh, but also I think that one of the ways to understand this, especially if we're trying to, to not fall into subjectivity, right, is that um, it is um, in terms of a spiritual dimension. It's an extra dimension. It's, it's yes. spirituality. Yeah. Wow. And now the, the deeper you get into this, that because that, that what you're describing something I deal I, I, since I've got become, I do a lot of mindfulness meditation and these awareness. That's something interesting when you start noticing that you're noticing. Right. And, and yes. it becomes yes. something that it's like almost irritating when I'm looking at my emotions or I'm looking at my feelings. It's like, oh, I see it. And at this point, it's hard to, to, to let go of everything and, and, and see it. Now, how does this tie into that authentic self? Because okay. is the perceiving of you perceiving the real self or is this the perceiving yourself? <laughs> Excellent question. No, this is great. No, it's great. It's great. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, so the idea is that uh, the, the constitutional principles refer to that self that the transcendental unity of that perception is bringing into focus. Mm. Right. And so um, those principles are again, uh, mystery, freedom, and mindness. And um, so what that means is that that self is mysterious, right? That self is mysterious because it's, I, I don't have empirical access to it in the way that I have empirical access to the world, right? So I can, I can reach out and I can touch, um, I can reach out and I can touch objects. I can touch, you know, my body um, and I can gain some kind of sensory awareness of um, my, my, my worldliness, my being in the world. But the transcendental uni unity of that perception is bringing into focus my being, right? And so once once I'm able to look at my being in terms of this being in the world, right? Once I'm able to look at, at my being, then I'm able to start to recognize that being is mysterious, um, and also that 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 being that there's a freedom that is associated with with being, and that. Um, there's also a mindness that is associated with being. So therefore I am responsible for my own being, right? Mm. Um, I'm, I am responsible for my own being in the world. So, so the idea is, is that once, um, once this starts to come into focus, then, um, then we move from the constitutional principles into the actualization principles. And so the actualization principles would be um, this sense in which um, how it is that I cope with the fact that being is in the world, Right. And so uh, the, the sort of there's seven principles and that principle in the middle it, it kind of bridges the constitutional, the three constitutional principles with the actualization principles. Um, but I consider it constitutional uh, in itself. And I think so does Heidegger and um, so does Nietzsche and so does Kierkegaard. Um, and though that principle is anxiety or, or angst. Mm -hmm. And so so the idea is, is that um, I, I I become 
anxious by being in the world. I become anxious um, as I perceive myself perceiving because I, I gain this higher awareness of myself, yes. right? And 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 that that in itself is anxiety provoking. Um, I think you could say just being in the world um, is anxiety provoking, but but also this as as we to use your term as we. Um, increase in our enlightenment. And as we become more aware of our own being um, and what it means to be, then this does sort of increase our anxiety. Um, and so the idea is then that how we cope with that anxiety and how we cope with how we deal with being in the world, um, you know, there are virtues to that. We, you know, it is possible to, to, to cope with being in the world in a virtuous way. And so those virtues are the actualization principles. And those are integrity, authenticity, and sincerity. And, and oddly enough, those, uh, they, they correspond with, um, they correspond in, in so I'm, I'm really in, this is so much information, right. That I'm, I'm really into, um, ways to remember this stuff more easily. And, um, so it, it seems as though you can line up those, um, integrity, authenticity, and sincerity with past, present, and future. Wow. So, hey, so okay. yeah. Go deeper into that for me, Frank, because I'm, okay, I'm, okay. I'm just you got me. So I'm, I'm just so into everything you're saying, man. You could just sit and just talk <laughs> uh, so you past, you present, stop. future. Yeah, of course. Of course. So 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 the idea is, is that and, you know, borrowing a lot of a lot of Heidegger's being in time is is very helpful here um, to sort of organize the, the ideas that are um, already present in Kant and Kierkegaard and um, well, really Kant and, and the German romantics, uh, Schelling and Schopenhauer and um Kierkegaard and Nietzsche before Heidegger. But so, so one of the things that we can recognize is that we, when we begin to um, be, have an awareness of this transcendental app perception, right. Um, that we begin to recognize that I, I'm, I exist um, in time. And there's this sense then that I, I am a being that is being in time. And, um, and so when I begin to recognize that it is possible to be um, consistent across time, um, then that's whenever I can begin to have this principle of integrity. And integrity, when we hear the word integrity from the psychological point of view, it should, it should bring to mind integration. So, so the existential psychologists, of course, are always talking about um, the integration of the self. And so the idea is, is that is that when we're talking about integrity is that when I am, I am being in the world, I want to be in the world in a way that allows me to um, integrate uh, my, my past and my present and my future being. Um, so that's a kind of virtue. That's a kind of virtue of being in the world that we can refer to as, um, you know, integrity. So then once, um, so, so we can see that, in, especially in relation to the past, right? Because we can think about um, some sense in which the path that we've been walking um, and the choices that we have made have, have brought us to the point that we're at now. And, um, you know, how, how to navigate, how to navigate all of that past karma, how to navigate um, the path that we're on um, is a, is another way of saying how to integrate myself, how to reintegrate myself. Right. Um, the, the idea being that I'm thrown into the world. Right. So, so the idea is that, especially when you're a child, um, even though you have, you know, even though you have choices, to make, there is some sense in which a lot of things are just sort of forced upon you. Right. Um, and so, so that in some way constitutes this being thrown into the world. Right. Okay. And so then, 
um, if I can do the future first too, and then we'll come back and then and yeah, just please. all authenticity the rest of the way. <laughs> but, but so, so uh, sincerity, I, I fell in love with this concept of sincerity and, and, you know, if I can, if I can just a, a quick, really quick example, um, I, I love Zen Buddhism. I love uh, reading these, these Buddhist monks. I love um, uh, Suzuki's work uh, in particular. I, I listened to it. I, well, presently I'm not, but um, I had, I, I feel like I was listening to Suzuki on, on um, headphones, like all day long. I, you know, I, I just was living alone and just listening to this stuff constantly. I'd listen to the diamond sutra, you know, and, and anyway, but so, so <laughs> love this stuff, but, but so, uh, you know, one of the ways to characterize sincerity, and I feel like, you know, there, there are these critics out there who have said, well, sincerity is like a new age term. And so if anybody's using the word sincerity, then we just got to dismiss that and throw it out. But I think that that's a misunderstanding of what sincerity is, right? And so so the way that these monks talk about sincerity is they say that, um, for example, if you're going to make a cup of tea, then just make a cup of tea, right? So the idea is that if you're going to perform some action in the world, then you want to be sincere when you perform that action. You could almost refer to it as like a, a purity of heart. Uh, mm -hmm. Kierkegaard is, uh, this Kierkegaard quote is, a, um, a purity of heart is to will one thing, right? And so it's like, if, I, if, if I'm going to be making a cup of tea right now, um, I'm going to make this cup of tea with all of my heart. I'm going to make this cup of tea with all of my mind, right? And, 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 in that process, um, I will be sincerely making this cup of tea, right? And so I think that 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 then how does this transfer over to the existentialism as a virtue or um, a, a principle of actualization? Is that um, when and it's oriented toward the future, Heidegger would refer to this as being toward death, right? And so to to sincerely be and to sincerely be in the world is to to recognize that. I will die, right? It, it, it will recognize, it is to recognize um, and to be mindful that I only have so much time, right? And so if I only have so much time and I am doing what I am doing, I am doing it sincerely whenever I am mindful of, you know, this opportunity cost, when I, when I am mindful of, um, you know, I mean, and, and I don't know that I'm not, I'm not trying to suggest that there's a right or wrong here. I'm not trying to say that you should make tea or that you should um, watch TV or that you should, you know, uh, play with your children or that you should go for a hike. I'm not saying that you should do any of those things. I'm just saying whatever it is that you are doing, you should be doing it sincerely. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I guess to even take a more new age of modern, you got to be mindful. You got to be present. You got to be conscious uh, of doing. It. And that's why I love it's so funny because you're talking about death. I just finished Denial of Death last week. I'm in the middle of Lack and Transcendence by David Loy, which is kind of like a yeah, it's like an epilogue after it of, of him going through it. And it's so interesting, the different because like you're saying, there's no right or wrong to this, right? Because the way I'm understanding this, you tell me if I'm wrong. To, when you when you're reading a philosopher, it's good to understand Kierkegaard's view. It's good to to, to understand Nietzsche's view, because for me. The, the personal authenticity view of Nietzsche of saying, you know, authenticity, uh, authentic. And you could please tell me I'm wrong. For, you know, Frank's yeah, yeah, yeah. the sure, sure. Um, Personal authenticity can be achieved without a religion. Um, and in living authentically, a person kind of elevates them, himself or herself above the mass culture in order to kind of transcend the limits of conventional morality. Am I, am I close there? Frank? I, I, I like that. I like that. So, so the way that I would, the way that I would try to enter into what you just said there is, um, you know, the, the second quote that you read, um, would you be, do you still have it present? Yeah, I got, 
I got it. Okay. Absolutely. That that was the uh, the gospel of Thomas. And it said, if you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth with the, what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. Beautiful. So, so um, one of the things that, and this, this took me, I mean, you know, this took me a very, very long time to come to this, right. Um, and, and tons and tons of work. And, and, and I, I always like to preface, I always like to preface these things by saying, uh, you know, um, I always like to preface these things by saying stuff like, well, um, you know, if you, if you want somebody to bake a cake, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not your guy. <laughs> if, you, if you, if you, if you want somebody to like change your transmission in your car, I'm not your guy. You know what I mean? And so, you know, so I, there's, there's are tons and tons of things that I am not good at. Right. And there are, there are tons of things that I have chosen not to pursue, right. In in terms of this context of opportunity cost and so forth. Um, But I have put so much time into, into philosophy. Um, You know, sometimes now I think to myself like, oh, well, you know, especially because I'm outside of the university um, that it's like, oh, well, you know, uh, what was I thinking? You know, (laughs) there's so much more in the world uh, to be doing other than uh, than philosophy. But, but of course I I can't, I can't stop, but I I love it so much. But, but anyway, um, so, so the idea is, is that um, in terms of, um, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I got the, the track of, of the, the question that you had asked again. So in terms of the, um, in terms of the, the present and, and whether or not there's a right and, and a wrong, right? So I think that it is possible to use the terms right and wrong and, and possible to characterize those terms. It's, it's fascinating that Heidegger, so, so and, and this is directly in relation to authenticity, right? Heidegger mm-hmm. says, um, I, yeah, I've got the, the quote in here. I'm not going to take the time to find it. But, but basically, I'd paraphrase it by saying that um, it, Heidegger says that it's not the case that authenticity is right and that inauthenticity is wrong. It's not the case, right? But then, you know, other places, he, he makes it so clear that authenticity is, um, and if we, if we put this ethically, that, that authenticity is a better life, that authenticity is um, a good life uh, in, in like the, the old ancient uh, platonic and philosophical way of understanding um, the good life. So, so the, the point there being is that um, you can, you can recognize this, this is okay. I've got the whole thread now. This, this is where I was at the the very beginning of this is that uh, it took me a very long time to, 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 to see this, but there is actually a spectrum. You, you can understand this in terms of a spectrum um, between mindness and uh, like, as in um, existence is mine um, uh, to, to do with what I will um, mindness and uh, worldliness. So there's a spectrum there. And so what you can see is, is that often, so let me put it in the other direction that inauthenticity can be characterized as a falling into the world. Right. And um, so, you know, and, and lots of people uh, and all of the existential philosophers characterize this in a kind of negative way. They characterize it in a way that would suggest as though it's wrong. And I, and I can I can tell you why they would suggest in a second here. But but so the idea is, is that um, to fall into worldliness, um, Heidegger would refer to this as as to be carried along by the nobody or to be carried along by the no one um, to be uh, carried along by the they. Um, 
you could think of this, uh, Nietzsche would refer to this as slave mentality. Um, and Kierkegaard goes so far as to suggest that it is the demonic, that to fall into the world, uh, to fall away from yourself. But, but when I say that, I really mean being, right? To fall away from being and too far into the world whenever you find yourself as being in the world um, is... Uh, in a sense to 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 become fragmented and um and to lose um i'm trying to to find ways to connect it with everything else that we've been saying is that is that um to lose um uh to lose control of your time but but more importantly than losing control of your time is to sort of lose touch with yourself um yeah yeah so yeah. so the idea is is that i i think that it's not at the level of binary opposition, right? So it's not like um, it's not like if I eat this piece of pizza, um, am I am I being authentic or inauthentic? Um, and is it right or is it wrong to eat this piece of piece of pizza? I think you could say it is right or it is wrong to eat the piece of pizza. I mean, I don't know, you got a food allergy or something, you know, whatever, whatever the case may, you know, maybe you, you stole the piece of pizza from somebody. Maybe you you shouldn't eat it. That's it's wrong to eat somebody else's piece of pizza. I don't know, but uh, but but in terms of um, is it authentic or is it inauthentic? That question is really a question of how you occupy the present moment. Mm, now, does because this is something I, I, I've dealt with being a kid from Brooklyn, Italian, got to get the girls, got to get the money, all that, all that good stuff that I would say is more like a mass culture society norm compared to like individuality. Mm -hmm. Is that what we're talking about here? Being like unique in what you truly want to do against, because I don't even know why I did half the shit I did in my 20s. I was just doing it because that's what other people were doing. It's like you're almost walking through unconsciously. Sure, sure. So great question, Scott. Great question. Um, So uh, Gabriel Marcel characterizes this in terms of wholeness and totality. Mm -hmm. And um, I think so, whereas totality kind of refers to integrity and um, this idea of of being able to um, integrate yourself across time, um, wholeness refers to um, this idea of authenticity. And, and when I am being in the world, um, am I wholly myself um, or am I somehow being carried along by the world? Am I somehow being carried along by the nobody? Um, and, and I, so, so, so I think to, to answer your question directly, it's like, well, um, if you're, if you're influenced, if you're being influenced by culture and if you're, if you, you know, there's, there's the question is, the question is, are you losing yourself um, in the, in the flow of the, of that culture? Are you losing yourself in the flow of the world? Um, or are you able to, um, are you able to be yourself despite being in the world? Are you able to maintain your, your wholeness, um, as opposed to, um, as opposed to, to falling too far into whatever that, whatever that may be. So, in terms of culture. So, so, so one of the ways that you can think about this is that, um, is the, the, the like acting or being a, some kind of character. Right. Okay. And so I feel like, um, if you are being some kind of character and you, you are making choices based on the momentum of being that character, um, without being mindful of the, your, your, your int integrity across time without being sincere when you're making those choices, um, without being, without 
authentically being yourself without being um, in terms of wholeness in, in the moment when you're um, being that character, then I would say that's what inauthenticity looks like mm-hmm. to, to just be, you know, making choices or trying to avoid making these choices um, uh, because, you know, it's the momentum of, for example, like peer pressure or just the momentum of like, I, I feel as though I'm expected by others to do this. And so therefore I'm going to do it. Um, without sort of owning it. Um, I think that those are all ways to think about uh, inauthenticity. Yeah. But, but, but if I can, if I can just say, say something here though, that I think that um, is important is that, you know, that we talk about this idea that um, it, it's just so easy to apply a morality to um, a morality to authenticity. But I think that, authenticity is the condition for the possibility of of being in morality so so the idea is is that um it is you know it is the ground of um it is the ground of being moral especially in in so far as we want to say that um, a person can make a choice, right? Is it, we, if you're just being carried along, then there's some sense in which you're not actually making the choices. And then we can actually ask the question of, you know, is that, you know, what kind of an, of an ethics is that anyway? Um, and forgive me, one, 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 other, one other thought here. Um, is it that, yeah. So um, when I would, when I was teaching this, um, when I was teaching this in uh, Dallas, um, a student brought up uh, a point to me um, that I thought was an excellent point. And this is this idea that, you know, that mindfulness training, uh, his point, Greg, Greg was his name. Um, uh, shout out to Greg. What a, shout what out a to wonderful, Greg. Yeah, what a wonderful, what a wonderful guy uh, Greg is and, 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 and was, but so uh, Greg made some point that really um, the, uh, the point of mindfulness and the point of um, this, authenticity and integrity and sincerity, although we, we weren't using those words at the time, we were just sort of talking about mindfulness, um, was that he said, you know, this is so that Sam, the samurai um, can, uh, can kill more efficiently. Right. So, so the idea was that this is, this is so that like, you know, if I'm, if I'm entering into some life or death situation that my mind isn't, paying attention to other things, right? That my mind is paying attention to the, the one task that I, that is at hand here. Um, and I think that that's correct. Right. And, and yeah. so, so, so I, I bring up this point because um, it is to say that it can be applied to any morality. I, I, I think that, so, so the idea is that it is a, it is the condition for the possibility of being inside of a kind of culture or being inside of a kind of morality. Like if you, if you are, um, if you are somebody who goes to protests um, because, you know, you think that it's the cool thing to do, right. Or if you're, if somebody, if you're going to protests because, you know, um, you know, because everybody else is doing it or something like that, then I would say that, that you're not authentically protesting. Mm. Right. Um, you know, that, that kind of, uh, it's that kind of mode, that kind of engagement, that mode of engagement. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause for, for me, when I started getting into this, I started looking really at like, what do I value? And I feel like for me at this part of my life, my values are almost opposite of that of society, of some parts of society and kind of being strong enough 
to stand your ground and, and stand alone almost and just be original enough to kind of initiate these opposite values. I feel like it's hard. It's a, it's a hard thing to do. And I think as we go through this, there's going to, you're going to need these kind of skill sets. A to first, like we said, be aware and then to act on them. There's like two pieces to this puzzle here that just kind of, um, and I got a lot of kids, a lot of our audience are shout out to all the young dudes listening, 18, 24 guys who, it's it, they're not philosophical guys, but there's philosophy in all of us. And we have to kind of bring this this up to the forefront here. And that's why I'm so I'm so glad that you joined me, dude. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, man. Of course. You know, what? we'll cut it here, Frank. You got to come on. You got to come on for another for another. Let's do another one. I want to do okay. another another episode. Um, Frank's coming back. Um, you can find all of Frank's notes in uh, all the, the the where to find him and all, all his contact info, the notes below. Um, that's it, Frank. Anything you want to plug anything coming up? Well, you know, like I said, uh, so the channel, the YouTube channel is called um, Philosophemes or the Philosophemes channel. In fact, here, if I can, let me yeah, pop me that up, toss up. Yeah, let's, let's pop this up here real quick. Um, and uh, and then I'll also plug the the podcast. So here is, let's see if we can, oh, this has got to be, there we go. There so that's, that's, that's what it looks like. This is the, the YouTube channel. Um, let me see if. Give me a second here real quick. I just want to show you the one slide I put together. Yeah, for you. please, please. So um, in regard to, so here's the self-actualization piece. Of course, this is Maslow, but um, this is the, this is, these are the constitutional principles. And then here are the actualization principles and the way that they line up with, uh, with time. And so if anybody's interested in checking oh, out that, look what is that. it, what is it, what is existentialism book? This is a, just an easier way to, to remember. Um, but if anybody's interested in checking out that existentialism book, this is a, um, this is some kind of some of the information that they're going to find in there. Um, but so let, let me get back to the full screen here. Um, and so then the, um, the podcast is called uh, Basic Philosophical Questions, um, and I'm I'm still putting together some of the episodes for that, so that should be out soon. Um, basic Philosophical Questions, and then, um, like I said, the Philosophemes channel is technically already up. I'm I'm hoping to start um, posting things maybe even this weekend. Oh, beautiful! So, Let's go, yeah. Frank. Yeah. So by the, yeah. by the time I was hearing this, this is going to be about a couple of days after. So hopefully, I'm going to put the gun to Frank. Frank, it's it's up. It's got to awesome. be up. That's it, awesome. man. Awesome. Um, Frank, thank you so much. I, come back next month. Let's do another, do another topic. Okay. Sounds That'd be great. great. That'd be great. I really appreciate it, Scott. Thank no, you so much. Of course. Thank you. Um, yeah. you two people, you're hearing us fourth or fifth. Frank's the fourth or fifth guy with his nice background. Uh, bring that button up there. Tell one of your friends about it. As always, stay safe, stay positive, stay blessed. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>